When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. What's good, Internet? It's Friday, June 5th, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 318. I'm your host, Austin Walker, and I'm joined today by Ricardo Contreras. Yo. And Rob Zachney. Happy to be here. Happy to have you here. Uh, It is, again, (laughs) it has continued to be a long week this week, every week. Uh uh, Every week, every day, every week, every every year has been difficult. Uh, But this week uh, continues to be difficult in, in pretty unique ways. So thank you to everyone who sent us support. Thank you to everyone who has reached out to us. Uh, solidarity with people who are protesting across the country and the world. Um, it, it means a lot uh, to me to see. If I'm like being extremely frank, um, it means a lot for me to see the difference from folks between now and 2014, mm-hmm. um, uh, 2013. Like you know, from from the the origins of Black Lives Matter. Um, uh, going back throughout my whole life, uh, going back to to previous uh, marches against racism and, and, and protests against, uh, you know, uh, bad policing, brutal policing, police violence. Um, uh, it, it there has there has been a a change. I don't want to say a sea change because sea changes happen when real changes happen, <laughs> when material changes happen. Um, uh, but it feels as if specific people I've seen have have changed their tunes over the last five years. Um, uh, the situation seems like it, it, it has a lot more, um, there, there's a lot of, there are a lot of people taking positions that are riskier positions that, that put themselves out there a little bit more that, that are fighting for things like police abolition are fighting for racial justice, uh, in a way that doesn't feel like they're necessarily looking for the first door back to normalcy. Um, and that is a relief to me in a serious way. So thank you to, to everyone out there who is, who is, you know, obviously thank you to everyone there who's been in the trenches for a minute now. Thank you to everyone who has skin in the game, <laughs> like obviously. Um, uh, but also thank you to those who have listened, who have shut up and listened for the last, you know, decade um, and who now understand that that this is a, a huge thing and who have seen uh, in a very real way the the truth about the ways in which uh, police in America uh, wield their monopoly on violence unjustly, um, and uh, you know that's that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at with this. I don't know if either of you want to do a check in. If how are y'all doing? How are y'all feeling this week? You know, this is less fun than our ten minute po- still, politics check in. Yeah. I'll be honest. Jesus. Well, in a, in a weird way, I mean, 
like in some ways it is tough to resist the urge of going the uh going in the direction of the politics check-in because you're also seeing some classic bad takes, right? You're right. seeing a lot of really familiar <laughs> disingenuous whataboutist arguments and one of the things that is heartening to me at least is the degree to which those narratives seem to not be getting traction as mm-hmm. much. Uh it helps that in part, you have so many reporters who've been at these protests who are able to say firsthand. It's, and it's annoying that it takes that firsthand experience uh, rather than interviewing protesters who are also good witnesses for these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's very different now that you see a lot of reporters who are who are attending these protests, uh, either as people covering them or are just in the crowd as part of the demonstration, who are seeing – what protesters have long alleged, right? Uh, yep. Police responding to alleged provocations that nobody saw or provocations that are laughably minor. Uh, there is a Twitter thread going around today uh, discussing a police crackdown that I think took place in Brooklyn last night where they effectively kettled a group of demonstrators past curfew. Mm-hmm. And uh, kettling is an old crowd control tactic uh, that is clearly not about crowd control. It is about getting licensed to use violence against protesters. Kettling is uh, – I first became familiar with the term, I think, during uh, some – might have been like G8 protests in London. Uh, but the police basically box protesters in and refuse to li- let them outside the cordons. The crowd can't disperse. The crowd is eventually in violation of uh, whatever – curfew or assembly ban the city has passed and then the police have license to move in on these folks and there's a thread going around today that a uh, new york times reporter was at one of these demonstrations and that's exactly what the police did and after curfew they waited in and started uh, assaulting protesters uh with with nightsticks and Interestingly enough, the story of the Times ran, at least the the headline is that after curfew, police started making arrests. Uh, I think it's it's frustrating to see the degree to which headline coverage and lead paragraph reportage does not reflect the observed reality of even reporters uh, who are there. Uh, we are still seeing coverage kind of parceled out in these really measured ways that always uh, presuppose the validity of the official narrative. And that is just observably not the world we live in right uh-huh. now. And in fact, has never been the world we live in. Uh, it's just now it's more obvious than ever. Uh, speaking of the New York Times, I think it would be uh, foolish of us not to use our own editorial cudgel to <laughs> briefly uh, critique them for letting Tom Cotton uh, have the credibility of their pages, of their opinion pages. Uh, from which he could spout fascist misinformation uh, and a call to military violence uh, in such a way that is uh, – it's so far beyond the pale even even for um, a, a newspaper that has steadily lost my – uh, my support over the last few years, um, more than the last few years, really, if, if I'm adding up right. Um, it is, it is, I mean, what I said on Twitter is like, there's, there's, you know, there's dog whistling and then there's this. Um, for people who don't know, like Tom Cotton is very much positioning himself as the de facto heir to Trumpism. Um, he's one of a few uh, younger uh, GOP politicians who is very effective at, at, at moving into whatever the next stage of Trump's early crypto fascism is, uh, which is fascism. The next stage of it is fascism um, of, of a kind of eloquently for his base 
uh, communicating a, a entire sort of program of um, of of what must be done and where and who uh, the the elite are, the quote unquote elite are. Um, his he is someone who is already someone who should be on your watch list, right? Be on your like, oh, this motherfucker is going to run in in you know four more years this is a guy who's positioning himself to, to be the to, to be the 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 next trump in a real way and to cede your pages to someone like that uh specifically like not even to do the dressed up version of some sort like this is not like the centrist argument against protests this is not the centrist argument for bringing the military in because such a thing frankly would is too is too absurd to even exist uh, uh for for most neoliberal uh, uh opinion Columnists, um, this is like all the way to the edge in such a way that uh, is is hard to misrecognize as anything but what it is. And so the decision that uh, the New York Times made to run that column uh, or, or that opinion uh, piece from Tom Cotton to, to me is just like an absolute abdication of their duty as responsible uh, as a responsible publication uh, as responsible editors. Um, you know, one of the points that was going around today is you, you need to understand that when someone has us, you're not just giving them a platform; you're giving them material resources. You're giving them uh, editors. You're giving them copy editors. Uh, in some cases, you're giving them fact checkers. Though, as we know, <laughs> the New York Times editorial pages uh, they don't always get fact checked. Um, but what you're doing when you're doing that is you're taking those resources away from other writers and other arguments, and you're literally doing your best to help someone hammer into place the best version of their argument, the version without typos, the version where unfinished argumental, uh, argumentative lines are instead finished and, and closed off. Uh, and when you give those resources to someone, you're doing the work for them. You're peddling their argument for them. Um, and so, you know, badly done, New York Times. <laughs> Well, and it's worth uh, – two things worth citing in particular about this. One is that there's been an increasing rift, I would say, or at least discontinuity between what is happening in the New York Times opinion pages versus what is happening across the rest of that paper. And it definitely seems that the opinion page has always had a conservative uh, slant to it uh, where the most liberal voices are – you know, left of center, right? Mm -hmm. And then there really is no extreme, uh, you know, to which obviously as the Tom Cotton op-ed illustrates, there really is no extreme uh, that falls outside the spectrum of opinion to the right that the opinion pages want to represent. Uh, however uh, inflammatory or however shoddily put together, they will run it. Mm -hmm. uh, they will not run police abolition, uh, pieces in exactly. general, they will not. They will not interrogate the arguments that have existed for a long time on the left. Uh, I was heartened to see that a lot of New York Times reporters uh, were posting in solidarity that the that that the running pieces like that uh, was putting black reporters' lives at risk. Mm -hmm. um, because I do think it is hitting a point now where. The New York the the New York Times opinion page is probably one of its most influential and popular products, even if the work there does not merit the outsized influence it has in discourse. Uh, nevertheless, that is the world uh, we've we've lived in for a long time, right? Like, there's a reason we all somehow know who Thomas Friedman is and what he thinks, uh, <laughs> despite being one of the least impressive uh, thinkers of the latter half of the 20th century, um, and. 
we're sort of at a point now where the reporters who are doing good work and increasing the diversity of voices that are heard from across the rest of that paper uh, are at odds with what is happening on the opinion page. And I'm not sure if long term that is a sustainable uh, status quo for The New York Times. And I do feel like it needs to be resolved uh, probably with a considerable reimagining of what The New York Times opinion pages look like. Absolutely. Um, Kato, I'm sorry. I also do want to know how your week has been and, and how you're feeling about everything. And uh, kind of went off on a tangent there. Apologies. No, that's fine. No, I was just uh, listening. And, you know, it sucks. It fucking, it's the fucking worst out there. And um, it can feel really difficult in this time to be like, I wanted to be out there day one and I didn't mm-hmm. feel safe because of there's still a fucking pandemic happening (laughs) um i waited to get the correct uh amount of uh like i got a gas mask with the right filters so i feel like i could be amongst a crowd and like i was out there last night uh and it still felt like i wasn't doing enough because it's hard to see these protests and the way that they're being like kind of struck down once it reaches past curfew as enough um Mm -hmm. when it historically hasn't right like it's still like shit is still bad that's why this is happening again um and i just i really hope that we can you know like as the 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 uh specific officers are being arrested to let that not be the end goal for this for this moment you know like mm-hmm. like we're talking about abolition is probably the, the the is the is not even the ultimate goal of any of these protests but like should be the next step um it's on and, the table now yeah right and like it and it, i just i hope that i hope that we as cops are being arrested that people who are outside of who are not white people non-black people are don't say like okay we did it right i right. hope they keep that energy because i know the black and brown people like the, the the black indigenous people of color will continue to keep that energy hopefully most of mm-hmm. us but um i'm really worried about losing that sort of allyship once they think the job is done it's not done like this is Definitely. systemic this is not gonna go away just because you uh arrest these specific officers this is about that system of policing not being just in any way there's a tension i often feel in protests like this where on the one hand it is important to maintain the specificity like remember who the people are who brought everyone out into the streets right remember Uh what happened to george floyd remember what happened to ahmed arbery remember what happened to breonna taylor um but two like two things one they all uh, died from different forms of systemic violence and indifference to black lives, right? Mm-hmm. And so, justice for any of those individual in any any of those individual cases does not bring the kind of change needed to prevent the next round of yeah. atrocities. Uh, and then on top of that, whatever protest, whatever demands might have existed at the start of these protests. Police response has pretty much made clear that those are insufficient. 
right? Like yeah. nothing like they people came out demanding justice and response from uh, the police and from the people charged with overseeing the police and the administration of criminal justice. Uh, after a week of this, it's very clear that those people also have to go. Mm-hmm. And we are no longer in a case of we just need justice for these specific cases. At this point, there's a whole new raft of uh, abuses we've seen perpetrated that also cry out for justice. Yeah, totally. Just- I, 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 for what it's worth, I also, I also, you know, to, to your point, uh, Kato, the, the energy that I hope we also keep is, is not just, we should do more than arrest these particular, uh, cops, uh, and, and non-cop, uh, civilians who were also part of some of the most recent killings. Um, uh, but also, that what reform looks like, you know, unsurprising. Austin Walker is not going to be the force of incre- or the voice of incrementalism <laughs> or or light reform, right? Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Um, I I understand what the appeal is of some of the stuff from the campaign zero folks. The um, uh, what is the what is the hashtag? Eight it's can't like eight, wait. Eight I hate can't it. wait. Yeah. Um. <sighs> Well, I guess like I, I was struggling to, to put this into words on Twitter today. Um, the the problem isn't that the cops don't know not to not to choke people to death. The problem is that they that they kind of uh, decide asymmetrically um, when to know and not know that when they are afraid enough to to let that be an acceptable way of responding to to a situation. Um, it, there there isn't for me. We cannot stop at, we've told them to yell, you know, put up your hands before they shoot you. We can't stop at um, certain types of chokeholds are illegal or there needs to be more paperwork. All of those things would stop certain instances. I'm not saying that those wouldn't be improvements on a net, right? What I am saying is that what we've seen from the last century of policing, the last 400 years of policing in America, um, is that they will find a way to apply justice uh, asymmetrically? Mm. Um, that black and brown bodies uh, will be will be bodies, not people, right? Like that, we we will be we will be uh, uh, persecuted. We will be subject to violence in a way that white folks are just not. Um, and for me, the way that you address that is through much larger scale. Uh, change to the way what policing looks like in in this country. Um, uh, I don't, you know, I, I I am both a utopian and a realist uh, in the sense that I don't think that by this time next year the police will be abolished in every major city across this country. <laughs> um, what I what I do hope is that we find places to work towards police abolition and a move towards other types of conflict resolution. There, this is not new stuff. Um, you know, I, I, it's important to understand that, like, you know, I'm, I am uh, a Marxist, I'm a communist, uh, I am not an anarchist, right? But anarchist and anarchy and anarchist thinking is an important part of leftist thought. I've done my best job to study anarchist thinking, and it's been around for 150 plus years. Um, this is not new stuff. The idea of like, what would we do without the police is not a question we came up with this year. Um, <laughs> there is, there are, you know, reams and reams and reams of paper about this this issue and this question. And there are lots of contemporary movements right now that if you just search for police abolition and start doing some reading, especially right now as people are trying to get more resources out there into what that looks like. What's it look like to have a number you can call 
for mediation and in- intervention that doesn't start with and the person shows up with a gun and a person shows up who's been trained that that gun can de- can be the way you de-escalate a situation yeah. um, like uh, and for me it's not enough to train those people to de-escalate elsewise elsewise and also let them continue to have guns and the legal ability to use that gun and the protection of the courts in most situations when they use that gun um, uh, we have to think about about more radical change. We have to think about a, re, a more radical reimagining of the ways in which we we address not only the moment to moment crisis uh, in which a, a cop comes into the picture, but the the symptom or the the causes of the symptomatic uh, uh, situation that that requires people that that leads people not requires but leads people to call the police in the first place, right? Um, uh, there's the, the reason that people rob is not because for the most part is not because people like, are like, ah, oh, yeah, I love to fucking rob. Uh, there are, it turns out systemic reasons why people think this is what I need to do to get through this week. This is what I need to do to make money. There are other ways to address those situations. Right. Um, and, and we've seen certain, we've seen certain cities across the country attempt this in different ways. Camden, New Jersey has leaned in that direction. They fired all their police. And I want to say 2012, um, and rebuilt a, a, a police department that was much more built around community policing. I don't think it goes far enough, but you can look at the numbers there and you can look at the, the, accounts there from people who live there um, who who say first and foremost my relationship with with the my neighborhood with my community is different now um, and and that is stuff that we have to we have to think about a, a more general transformation and not just this kind of like pick out the bad ones as they show up because we know there's a system that produces these effects um, mm-hmm. and to not attend to that to that system um, is negligent uh, is is civil negligence and so uh, thank you again if you're out there protesting this week. Thank you out the uh, you know out there if you are if you are too tired to protest but you're donating money but you're uh, you know you've been out there once or twice you can't get back out there. Do what you can uh, and support those who are doing because because that support goes a long way. Um, so so yeah. Um, any final thoughts here? No. Um. Just tired. Uh yeah, just tired. Well, <laughs> uh, Rob. <laughs> We do have we do have an embargo to attend to. <laughs> that is true. Uh, the, the and as journalists, uh, you know, our number one thing is PR embargoes. Love them. Uh, the business of games goes on. Uh, so yeah, this is the odd season, uh, not just events in the world, but obviously, I think there's a lot of things that you would have been seeing as E3 demos that mm-hmm. are now being done as remote video conferences. Uh, and demo sessions, and I recently had one for Total War Saga Troy, which, um, yeah, like, it's Total War, Total War, but the Trojan War. Uh, but it's also, what if Total War were about that Brad Pitt movie? Uh, what, if, what if it Troy? were about... Is the name of that movie yeah. Troy? Okay. Yeah, uh, because their approach is literally... Like almost verbatim, I think the tagline for that movie, like the truth behind the myth or or something like that, where, uh, you know, obviously Homer and uh, the Greek playwrights were drawing from this tradition of legend and myth. And, uh, you know, the the Trojan War was a place where the gods walked among humans. But what if we took all of that and we took all the magical and, uh, 
you know, deity uh, mythological powers out of it and looked for what are things that could plausibly have in like been the root thing behind those poetic metaphors. Uh I am a little bit skeptical of this direction, particularly after uh, Total War Three Kingdoms basically goes all the other way, which is, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, you know, yeah, these guys are basically magic. Uh, <laughs> you know, Lu Bu killed a thousand dudes in 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 a big old brawl. He's just he that did badass. It. I saw yeah. him. <laughs> That guy, that guy pulled his eye out and whooped somebody's ass with it. It was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is like, okay, so what was the Minotaur? Probably a big dude uh, who may have worn a uh, bull's head helmet. And that is, that's how, you know, that character would have existed uh, in this time. Uh, what is Achilles? You know, obviously not a guy who was uh, blessed by the gods to be invulnerable uh, to any sort of harm. Uh, but he's just a badass. They should have brought Lou Boo back. There should, there should have been like an NWO <laughs> style reveal where you see the Achilles helm from the back and then it turns out and then like it sprouts the cool like long antennae that are on the Lou Boo helm. And it's like, oh shit, that's just Lou Boo. Lou Boo went to ancient Greece. <laughs> that's Lou Boo's uh, That's Lou music. Lou Boo's music. <laughs> By God. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's so I'm I only got to play the like a demo battle, uh, which is never really what you want to see mm. in the Total War game. Like always the, the real question is how the, how is the campaign going to work? Yeah. Um, but the battle was interesting enough because one of the things they've they've done here is that this is a Bronze Age conflict. So first off, they're saying that a lot of the stuff you're familiar with from other Total War games probably doesn't exist in this period, right? Like you're not going to have giant, uh, you know, trebuchets that in, that stuff hasn't been engineered. Uh, you're not going to have giant like war horses with heavily armored mounted troops. Uh, the armor was too heavy and they were about a thousand years short of having bred the types of, of horses <laughs> that can bear like fully armored guys. Right. So it ends up being a little bit more like what you, you might think of when you think of like Homeric math, right? Like a lot of the, a lot of the games being fought by different flavors of dudes with spears Dudes with javelins, dude with dudes with rocks, right? That is kind of what you're uh, you're dealing with here. Mounted troops tend to be, you know, skirmishers uh, at at the heaviest, or you've got chariots, uh, which is how you deployed horses uh, as a, a weapons platform in this in this period. The thing I find a little bit like on the one hand, I was like, oh, that's bold, right? You're really getting away from a lot of the Total War rock, paper, scissors uh, balancing of, you know, like cavalry just demolishes ranged units, ranged units, demolish infantry, uh, you know, infantry can't really be broken by cavalry, uh, things like that. You're, you're getting away from that, but I am not sure they really are uh, because the thing they've done is they've sort of said, well, there's a lot of light, infantry in this world which runs super fast almost like they were horses it, you know that's kind of how it feels like oh yeah that's not cavalry those are just guys who move three times as fast <laughs> as the soldiers oh. on f- other foot soldiers uh and who can sort of slash in and out just like cavalry do uh-huh. and I, i'm a little concerned that like 
the direction implies a deviation in gameplay and tactics, but they've just kind of hedged and reskinned. I'm hoping I'm, I'm wrong. I think one thing that did kind of come come through very clearly in the uh, in the demo I played is that there really is a wide variety of. Uh, the way, what they describe as like weight classes in units. Uh, this is, you know, at the very heaviest of your, like I was playing Hector's army in this battle. It was Hector versus Achilles. Hector, you know, as you might expect, the, you know, defender of the walls of Troy, his army is really, really slow. Like it's not quite immobile, but the core of it is heavily armored guys who are almost unbreakable in a frontal attack. Um, it, it's a bit like they're like World War One tanks, right? Where like mm. they just crawl forward, but they also can't be stopped, right? Like that's that's the threat they present. Uh, but then everything around them is about controlling empty space, right? Like skirmishers uh, are able to sort of zip in, hit hit units like that from the side where the armor is thinner. Uh, so a lot of it becomes about like unit facing and. Uh, you know, disabling the advantages of shields and different types of armor, which that did feel pretty dramatically different, right? Like Achilles troops were all light, uh, you know, assault troops, uh, you know, very, very fast, very aggressive. And playing that army versus Hector, uh, it did feel like, okay, these are, these are two sides that require completely different tactics. Mm -hmm. That, that much was kind of familiar from like uh, the total Warhammer games. And I hope there's I hope there's a lot of that flavor that comes through uh, because my concern is if it's just 50 different flavors of and then if you thought those skirmishers were skirmishers were fast, <laughs> check out these really fast guys over right. here uh, that will start to feel, I think, a little corny. Is there um, speaking of the kind of style element of it, you know, I think one of the things that set Total War Three Kingdoms apart was the the many aesthetic ways that they evoked you know uh, the the three kings period of, of China uh, and uh, evoked a sort of popular understanding of of you know ancient China with with certain uh, you know visual techniques music uh, character design all that stuff right like they're playing in a, a pretty well trod uh, territory um, and yet and yet still kind of stood out there is there does this does this feel the way you want like ancient, ancient Greece, mythical Greece to feel? Uh, I don't know that it does. Um, I think to me, visually it presents a lot like Rome total war in Rome two, uh, which I think had kind of a desaturated, uh, starkness to it. And I think they're going for starkness, right? Like this is, uh, you know, the the fields and hills of modern day Turkey, right? Mm -hmm. It's a lot of, uh, it's a Mediterranean climate for, on the edge of the desert. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of scrubland. It's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, olive groves and such, you know, and then in the in the background, like, you know, berms uh, holding, separating fields from the desert. You're going to have a lot of that. But it does look, the result is a game that looks awfully fucking brown, uh, at least in the demo. Uh, right. And I'm sure there's going to be other 
I'm sure there's going to be other biomes uh, that we see, right? Like if if this is a total war game, chances are there's a version where the Trojans can somehow come kick the ass of the Greeks, right? <laughs> where it goes so epically wrong that uh, you know the Trojans the Trojans reach Ithaca before Odysseus does. Uh, but that isn't what I what I saw, and it did have kind of a it did pose kind of a challenge distinguishing all but the most identifiable units, right? Like it wasn't one of those things where you could easily tell at a glance which type of melee troop was holding that section of the line, which type of skirmisher was out there. From a distance, it was a lot of little dudes running around. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it didn't quite have that sense of immediate, like iconic imagery that Three Kingdoms possesses uh and that's that's a tough bar i think this is the other this is where i think it's really tough to be uh total war troy right now the saga series is already kind of in a weird place because it is trying to tell smaller more focused stories ostensibly than the main total war games is this the they've retconned they've retconned uh, Total War Shogun 2 Fall of the Samurai into being a saga. Oh, weird. Uh, okay. Yeah, they reached way back and they were like, you know, that's basically an example of what we want to do. And if you did huh. play Fall of the Samurai, that game rules. Like, <laughs> that might be... If Shogun 2 was like the best Total War, Fall of the Samurai, for, for a long time I think it was, Fall of the Samurai might have been the best part of of Shogun 2 uh, by the end. Like it was both an awesome samurai warfare game, but also a really good like 19th century, like rifled musket warfare game, mm. right? Like it, it did all of that really, really well. Um, so they've retconned that and they decided that's a saga that tells a really focused story. They made Thrones of Britannia, which we covered, I think like two years ago when it came out, it wasn't very good. Uh, it just, was it felt a lot of it felt very uninspired in a lot of places uh and it did kind of have a deep sense of jank uh to it like lots of things about it just didn't work work very well so this is the second like new uh total war saga that they're making as part of this new initiative uh technically i guess it's the third game but fall of the samurai doesn't really count right they made that as a standalone uh, many years ago before this saga's branding was was dreamed up. Uh, and I think it's unfortunate because T- Thrones of Britannia did kind of feel like it was the off-brand budget version of Total War. And I'm not sure Troy would give me that vibe, except for the fact that in the intervening time, <sighs> Three Kingdoms came out and completely recalibrated my sense of like right. what a Total War game can be. right. If this had just been the follow-up to Saga uh, Britannia, you'd be like, "Oh, you know what? Maybe they're getting this thing back on track." <laughs> and now it's it's it, it has a much a much firmer comp- internal competition. Yeah, yeah, and like, mind you, I think, and, and this is where I think it's going to be so important to see what that campaign is, and that's the thing they couldn't tell me too much about, right? Uh, because. One of the things they sort of painted here is that, yes, there's the factions, but a bit like the the Warhammer series, each faction is kind of inflected by which hero you're playing, right? So uh, the easy example is, uh, you know, Hector 
is the Trojan army, and there's going to be certain Trojan units. But then also, there's the super heavy infantry that like only he has access to. Mm-hmm. Like Hector has elite like guard units that nobody else has. His brother Paris is also a Trojan general, but he has elite ranged units at his disposal, right? So like both armies are going to be a little bit hardier than like what Achilles has in some ways, mm-hmm. but they're going to express their faction identity different through what their heroes perceived strengths are. Uh, I was really excited uh, as one of the developers uh, was telling me it was uh, uh, Milko uh, Vasilev. Sorry if I got that name wrong, but was talking about how Odysseus, uh, basically doesn't have any impressive units like Odysseus can't win a stand-up fight uh but his units are all really um resilient and they excel at like guerrilla hit and run tactics and so Odysseus just kind of is about wearing people down and outlasting them I'm curious how those faction identities express themselves on the strategic stage right like and what does that even look like because the Iliad is about the siege of one city. The whole thing takes place, uh, you know, basically on the coast of uh, Asia Minor and the Aegean Islands. That's that's the stage. What does the campaign of that story look like? Is it just going to be a zoom? Is it right. just going to be the Aegean in the Bronze Age, or are you going to reimagine that the the world of the siege becomes the world of a total war map, which could be a really interesting thing with ramifications for dynamics on that map but i think it will require some kind of rabbit coming out of the hat for the strategic game for this thing to read as really cool yeah well you know i will i will save my remaining questions for when this game what is there a release date on this uh yeah and naturally uh i don't have it in front of me (laughs) it's fine uh this year presumably right this feels Uh, like a thing that they would get out pretty quick yeah it does maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong um i you know i'm gonna ask one question here we go important one did the minotaur see see combat outside of the labyrinth that i missed was the minotaur part of the trojan war i thought i thought dude was just in the was in the labyrinth and then theseus showed up it was all the same neighborhood (laughs) he just like rolled through he was like yeah yeah i can help you with that too yeah i i think that's basically like it, you know, it's sort of like he become he, he was such a badass. He got his own story, right? He got his own deal, like the spinoff. Movie. I see. I see. But really, he was probably back there. Yeah, I think that's the that's the thing that I think that's the position they're adopting. OK, uh, you know, I have a follow up question. Important follow up question. Do you think Orlando Bloom felt bad when he was cast as Troy as like, I guess all I can do is like mythological arrow dudes. <laughs> I think I think a lot of people felt bad uh, about as Troy. part of that picture. Yeah, yeah, like I was watching some clips of it today to refresh my memory because, mm-hmm. like, it's a movie I have a weird fondness of in some ways. Like, first of all, it's one of our last great Peter O'Toole performances. Sure. Um, and like he does bring the goods in the scene he has with uh, with with Brad Pitt. The problem is Brad Pitt's horribly miscast. Um, he just doesn't. He doesn't play Achilles as Brad Pitt. He plays Achilles as Brad Pitt trying to do like some sort of stage acting. And right. I think if he just leaned into the the essential Brad Pittness of his performances, I think that would be a really convincing Achilles. Yeah, I yeah, I would I would be here for that. I would be here for that. I haven't I haven't seen that movie. I saw the movie when it came out, and I remember being like, oh, 
I like it when Brad Pitt stabbed that dude in the side of the shoulder. It was a cool jump stab he did. That's all I remember about that. <laughs> that was that was pretty cool. It's like, how do you show he's the most badass warrior in a time where, like, it's, uh, theoretically in this movie, anybody could be got at any moment? Right. Uh, it's like, oh, this dude just doesn't care. He just comes and fucks people up. Like, you're like, up. all right, time to get ready for the fight, and you're dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... All right. Uh, you know what? We should take a break. And when we come back, we can talk about some more stuff. Um, I checked. I couldn't find a uh, – uh, all I found was 2020 was the only date that I saw for this. Um, so, you know, maybe if there's a, a more specific date out there, it, it should be easier to find. Up oh, here it is. I found it. August 13th. <laughs> I found it. It took me one extra second. Um, all right. Let's take a quick break. And we'll be right back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, we are back. Um, the other thing that we I've been playing, the one thing that I've been playing the most, I think, maybe this week, uh, is probably Valorant, which actually dropped. Yeah. Like, is out, is out it's now. Out, you can go out. play Valorant. Anyone can uh, do it. It is free to play, as far yes. as I know. Um, I've, I spent money on some gun skins, because I'm a fool. Okay, well, okay. <laughs> well, I, yeah, well, so here's the thing is, if you were in the beta, you could buy skins in the beta. Mm-hmm. And you're you wouldn't get to keep them, but what you would do is get your money back in Valorant bucks. So no, you wouldn't get your money back. You would right. get Valorant bucks equal to whatever you put into the system wait, wait, plus V bucks plus twenty percent. <laughs> so I came in with twenty percent more than I put into the beta, which was enough for me to get a bunch of like a pack of very pretty. My gun make laser gun sounds now, and they like shit, they load yeah. like a cool crystal <laughs> instead of bullets. Oh, and they load from the top instead of the bottom, and then if you kill someone, it goes like oh, and then a, a shiny wolf head what? shows like up. Wolfman Jack. Uh, Wolfman Jack shows up. <laughs> I don't know if it actually howls, but a wolf shows up and like eviscerates the body of your opponent, not with its wolf like features, but with like a, a laser blast from the heavens. I you know only your last, only if it's the last kill of the game or the last kill of the round. It's like very celebratory um uh and that's valorant moving on no yeah. <laughs> uh, uh Cotter, are you keeping up or you have you been playing yes absolutely i needed to distract myself in some way um and they added a new game mode which is very weird it's it feels so different from the base game so it's um it's called spike rush and Normally, there's only one spike, right? There's a attack and defend, and if you're attacking, you're trying to plant that spike. Um, or you can just kill the entire other team, but it's usually harder to do that way sometimes. Um, depends on who you ask. Honestly, I feel like it's harder to, to try to get all those kills than to plant the spike and defend, but people seem to like um, 
playing deathmatch a lot. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, everyone in Spike Rush has a everyone has a spike, so immediately anyone can can plant that, which means that you, grouping up is less uh, needed. Is um, it's more of a spread out game. It feels like where. Uh, as defenders, you're kind of you have to watch all angles because any one person of the other team can get in and plant a spike any at any of the sites. So um, it's a lot faster that way. It's also faster just in that you you played a uh, first to four, I believe, or four or five. I forget. I think it's four. Um, and there's also these um, upgrades on the ground that you can pick up that are like hyper speed. Uh, gain your ultimate right away, uh, decay the entire team, which temporarily brings everyone's health points down to like, I don't know, like 30 points, like, which is like it's, one, it's like it brings everyone under to like one or two shots. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, like everyone on the end of the team, no matter where they are, you don't have to see them. It's just like full, everyone health is down to like one or two shots, like wild things like that. And it just feels only for like a few, just to be clear, only for like a couple of seconds. It's like a right. thing where like you could grab it and go, like, all right, let's push right now because the enemy has lower. She has no health. Let's like, yeah. we, even if you're not good like me at this game, you, I, you know, I'll still be able to get a few shots in and, and probably win a fight. I would lose otherwise. Let's go. Right. Um, and that's been really fun, especially because the games are so short. It's very easy to jump in and just do a few every once in a while, like 10-minute games at most sometimes. Um, but it's also completely broken how I play that game when I play regular. Um, mm-hmm. Something about getting too many Spike Rush games in before a regular game in like kind of has broken my aiming and thought about watching corners again and things like that because spike rush is so there everyone's so spread out that it's less about watching those specific angles and more about kind of keeping an eye on openings um people also just play weird in spike rush people run through smoke people like don't yeah. care people play because because in regular in a regular match of valorant dying sucks because you lose whatever equipment you have um, you don't gain if you haven't gotten any kills or done like you know put the bomb on right. the the you know uh, right. That's the other thing they take out site, in Spike yeah. Rush. There's no economy. There's you no always economy. have all right. of your. Exactly. You always get all of your uh, abilities, which normally you would have to buy up. You don't for have each to buy round. a gun. You don't have to buy a gun. Everyone has the yeah. same gun. Uh, there are upgrades on the field where you can upgrade to the next gun, which kind of gives you an advantage that way. But um, yeah, otherwise, other than that, everything has been kind of flattened and evened out. Um, mm-hmm. which, um, uh, yeah, which like kind of, uh, uh, lets you use your abilities, uh, in a way that you wouldn't normally like the, I've, I've, um, somehow moving through the space. I like run faster in, in, in spike rush and like, am kind of more careless a little bit, but I still have this the 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 like don't use your abilities as much because of the Mm -hmm. i I keep forgetting to use them even though i should be just throwing them off whenever it feels right um but uh yeah it's completely at odds with the way you should play regular (laughs) regular games and just like something about the muscle memory keeps messing me up so i have to like take a game or two in between to like recalibrate which has been weird but I don't know. I've, ha- I've been having a lot of fun with Spike Rush. What do you think about it? It's uh, same as you. I, I I think the thing that you just hit of like 
playing it too many times in a row throws you off before your main game is yeah. true for me. And so I, I tend to only use it as a cooldown game as like, right. oh, we played, we don't have time for a full game. Does anyone have time for a spike rush? Uh, let's yeah, do a spike yeah. rush. Um, uh, otherwise, I, I will say that like I've had really high highs since the game came out. And then also some matches where I've just been last night. I had some matches. I was just cursed. Just like, yeah, absolutely. And I think that part of that is there's a huge new injection of people, which means sometimes oh. the matchmaking is not as good as it once was. Um, and it reset take everyone's some time. matchmaking too, right? Like exactly. Everyone started yeah. from zero. So it's still figuring out like skill levels and stuff for everyone. Totally. And so I think there's a degree to which it's like, you know, I, I think I went 13 and one or 13 and two yesterday mm -hmm. um, in one match. It's like, that's not fun. Like it's fine, but that's not what I want. Um, right. Uh, and then I had matches where I lost, you know, 13 to five or six and that's not fun either you know <laughs> um uh, obviously what i what i love is when those matches are really tight and you you end up losing by a couple of rounds or even one round um and and you know you everyone has had some good plays and everyone feels like they're in their part um and and i i have had those moments still and i think i'll have more once the matchmaking kind of settles over the next week or two um um the thing that has been the, the other thing about this is like this new update that were the the full release has a new map and a new agent mm -hmm. and i'm not really sure how i feel about each yet um or either yet the map is interesting it has like a much bigger i know we're talking about a, a very particular type of game without doing uh, and if you don't have familiarity with it it can be kind of tough to explain or you can kind of reach back oh i've played counter-strike or i've played team fortress 2 or you know and it doesn't quite map to that like or sorry if counter-strike would work i meant call of duty if you played call of duty <laughs> it's not it doesn't feel like call of duty right it doesn't right. have that same feeling of like I mean, some general things are still the same. You understand what, like, you don't want to be in open territory. You don't want to just be, like, out in the middle of nothing where there's, you're, you know, can be shot at from eight different angles. That doesn't feel good in any first-person shooter, any multiplayer first-person shooter. Um, uh, but but uh, it, it's really felt strongly here. And, yeah, Counter-Strike is obviously a, a good comparison. To some degree, maybe Rainbow Six Siege is. Siege is. Um, uh, but the, the new map has this huge open area in the middle that I'm still trying to learn the sight lines on and learn where to put mm -hmm. so the character I play can kind of summon airborne like smoke, uh, grenades to block off lines of sight. They, they kind of produce, he kind of produces little orbs of smoke on the ground, a uh, very perfect, yeah. like perfectly ge geometrical. This is not like, you know, smoke wafting in the breeze. No. This is just a, a dome. It's yeah. a sphere of smoke. Um, and, uh, I'm learning like, where do I put those here? Um, and, and the importance of that is like, it, until I understand all that stuff and I've, I've made some good progress in terms of like, I think maybe here, here and here, um, uh, is that the importance is that when I'm on a, a map that I know, I can still feel productive on that map, even if my shooting skills aren't up to par against the other team, right? Even if I'm right. losing one V ones. Um, I can set up smoke for my team so that we can make really dramatic pushes onto site to plant a bomb, or I can reduce visibility for other people. Or I can use my other skills to, to you know, create choke points. Um, uh, with with a new map, it's like there's this learning period where you're like, I guess over here, maybe this, I think this will work. Um, <laughs> and, and that process is really fun. Uh, it's just it just means that I've had some games where I've been like, yikes. Um, yeah. I also got my first ace though, finally, which Hell is yeah. when you take out the entire other team. That's um, awesome. Uh, that was really Describe fun. Describe it for us. Um, okay. I mean, I, I can just show it to you. Like, did, did, did people file in front of your sites or was no, it like no, a clutch out? No, no, it was, it was yeah. earned. It was a clutch out. It was earned. It was here. I'll send it to you. Um, uh, the, the thing that happens in it, like, is first of all, it was, an, it was kind of an eco round for me, which is an eco round is when you don't have a lot of money 
Uh, and so you gotta like you can't buy the there's two good guns in this game right there's a lot of good guns there's yeah. two like oh yeah this is the rifle you either get the, the well one they that, really lovingly recreated Counter Strike dude it's get, yeah. dude <laughs> the long the best sniper rifle is called the operator the op, which means operator. everyone just calls it the op yeah uh, I'm like <laughs> it is literally <laughs> they know no, what okay. they're doing <laughs> they know they know what they're doing they know what they're doing um, uh, here I'll just link you this because I already I put it on YouTube because it was too big to send via via. Uh, uh, Discord to someone. Um, so I had this like, um, I guess light machine gun. It has fifty rounds. It's called the Ares. Um, it's fine. It's not great. I was playing a character I don't know very well, uh, Phoenix, who I haven't played since launch. He does these like flashbangs around grenades, except instead of flashbang grenades, they are um, like he snaps his fingers and summons a little ball of fire and then flicks it around a corner and then it explodes in a, in a ball of, of bright light uh, and briefly blinds anyone who sees it. And so I kind of like come onto the site. It's like all five of us, we come onto the site and I'm like, okay, we're going to do a big push. No one gets blinded by my first, my first attempt. I see someone, I see Jet, who is this character who has knives, dash away to this corner. She actually, I, there's a, I don't think this was intentional, um, but it's pretty, actually I guess it is. She throws a ball of smoke and then dashes into it to kind of get away from an incoming attack from someone else. Um, and I just start dumping into that ball of smoke, <laughs> and I miss her 100%. But then I rush into the ball of smoke, and that's like a good decision on my part. That's me, after weeks and weeks of playing this game, being like, I'm going to go in there after her because I bet her back is to the wall and she's about to come out. And this is exactly what happened. She jumps out of it. I'm behind her. I blast her. So that's one kill. At the, in, in the time that it took me to do that one thing, three of my teammates have died. It's gone from a 5v5 to a 2v, a 2v4, which does not feel good. Um, someone calls out that they think someone is in a, a, a kind of nearby hallway, uh, and they are not, but I kind of push through that hallway and out into another open area. Uh, and I see, uh, one, I see one person kind of partially uh, concealed behind a wall, another person out in the open. Uh, Ooh, that's I, some disgraceful camping. Uh, that second person was... That second person, yeah, yeah that, you know... That's <laughs> not on not, their game. So that, that, was the, that was the one they gave you. Okay. That's the one they gave me, 100%. Um, you know, I use, the, I use the rules from... You ever play those old Flash sniper games where, like, it's a stick man and you're shooting other stick yeah. men? And you go, okay, I got to shoot the one who can't see... Who, I have to shoot the one who won't be seen by everybody else because they'll know I'm there. So I started from the back and shot the first dude who was an omen, who was like a, a teleporty guy. You have a question, Rob? Uh, actually, like right after these double kill, I have a question about your next decision. Okay, sure. Absolutely. So kill these two guys. I kill a, an omen and a phoenix, which, which leaves me in an interesting position. Uh, now we're 2v2. I know that I have one person on site with me uh, on my team. That other player is playing Reyna, who is the new hero, the new the new uh, agent, they're called. She is very good if you can pop off. Um, her <laughs> whole thing is if you get a kill, you can use the, an, the soul of the person you killed to heal yourself and even overheal yourself and get shields, basically. Um, and then she can also, she, if she kills someone, she could also, like, turn invisible and invincible to move around. Um, she is a nightmare. She's, mm -hmm. I like, hate fighting against her. I don't know that I love her design. Um, she's, she's very strong. Um, she's also extremely, again, in the type of character of like, so she's, she looks she, a lot like Sombra. She looks a lot like Sombra. Um, so and the, it's like now like, we're now three for three for hero shooters having like, you know, evil Latina, characters who fit a very similar design. I think Loba's yeah. physical design is a little bit more distinct than than Reina is from Sombra, but 
Anyway, my, yeah, so my here's team, my question. I have Arena. On the other team, they have Arena and a Breach. Breach is good at like disorienting you. Um, and I have to make a decision. Uh, and also, we don't have the bomb. The bomb is dead in front of me across a hallway that, or across a kind of an open area of fire. And I have to decide, do I want to go try to get the bomb? Rob. Yeah, okay. So it's that in that open area, yeah. uh, your teammate starts getting peppered with fire, correct? Like correct. The, the from, other team. From a place called Baths. It's If you think okay. of a square and you think top left is A, top right is B, bottom left is C, bottom right is D, right? Like A, B. I guess yeah. I can go all the way. Just do what I just did. A, B, C, D. Um, I'm in D. My partner is in A. They have someone in B and they have someone in D, right? So it's kind of like they're on the right-hand side of the square. We're on the left-hand side of the square. And we are kind of equidistant at this point. Um, so it looks like they're kind of locked in on your teammate. Well, there's uh, one locked in on me. If you look, the sniper in what's called heaven oh, shoots the sniper across. Just whiffs. He yeah. whiffs. Yeah. That whiff is what is what gives me this ace. That whiff. Okay. Ends so that's why you pop the smoke. That's why I pop okay. the. Yeah, I have a. So I have an ability called. Um, I forget what it's called. But it's like a curtain of fire, basically, that gives cover. Uh, and prevents you from getting headshot across a long distance. But in the, you're right that in the time okay. that it takes me to make that decision, my teammate gets killed 100%. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's basically two 1v1s happening in that moment, right? There's one that I should have lost if that sniper doesn't miss. And there's one that my teammate loses because that's just a, it's a hard fight. You shoot across yeah. uh, from one end of a, of a square to the other. Some loses, someone wins. So that just happens. Um, so now it's 1v2. I put up this wall of fire, which is like, if you've seen the cinematic trailer for this character, he does this in the in the trailer. That gives me enough cover to start to run to the other side of the map. There are two bomb sites on each map, or there's one map that has three, but most of them have two. Um, and uh, there's a couple ways to get there on this map. There's running through a hallway filled with, it's a kind of like a market, an open air market that we call spices. And there's a teleporter. And I decide to not use the teleporter, and instead I use the long the long hallway i don't feel good about that decision i think in retrospect i should have teleported but it doesn't matter because i get there i plant the bomb in a place that's kind of open um there's a bunch of places on this site that you could plant this bomb there's a big metal like cargo container you could plant the bomb inside of there is kind of a a a back site and a front site is kind of how we talk about it and the front is pretty open the back is pretty you know protected i plant it in the open front left of this site uh for people listening we're playing on a map called bind um if you're like desperate to see what the fuck i'm talking about um and uh, i plant it there because for them to defuse the bomb, they have to be in kind of an open position. If I planted it in the back site, they would get the cover or inside that the cargo container, they would get the, the uh, protection of being in one of those places. And so I planted open. Uh, and then I sat and waited. And I was like, I hope someone comes the way I'm looking. And that's just luck that, <laughs> that the Reina comes literally hopping in. I think she's bunny hopping for speed, maybe? And I don't know why backwards. she does this. Her back she's jumping is backwards. You. Maybe she maybe she thinks that I'm down the hallway. She wants to make sure I'm not behind her, which right. that's giving me way more credit than <laughs> than I deserve. Uh, but I light her up. <clears throat> and then I turn the corner once I hear that someone is defusing the bomb. Or no, I don't. I ult. I ult. This character has an ult called Run It Back. And what Phoenix does is he like he's a Phoenix, right? So he like uh, I mean, he isn't a phoenix. He's like a black dude from England. Uh, but he has phoenix-like abilities regarding fire. And so he can kind of charge into a place, do some damage. And if he gets killed in that period or if the timer runs out, he snaps back to where you were when you initiated the, the power. So that happens. I come back. 
Um, I put a Molotov basically on the bomb to kind of delay the person from, from getting to it to try to defuse it. And then he comes up to defuse it anyway. I fire a few shots at where I think he will be. He is not there. And I realize that where I've placed it gives him some cover where he could try to defuse it from within the container. But it turns out that you can shoot through that container. And so I shoot through the container and get my fifth, my fifth kill. Uh, uh, thank that's you for Because like, I could not figure out that kill for the last Visually, kill, that container looks invulnerable. That does it looks not look like a surface you would shoot through. Totally. There are different bullet um, patterns that show up when you hit different things. Some of them are what we call wall bangable and some of them are not. That container is bangable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That. Yeah, that's uh, very good. Which, that- which I almost fucked up, right? I was like, oh my God, where is he? Is he, but like, I can't see where he is. And then he was there. So it worked out. Yeah. Um, and and it's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, it, it's a messy. It's a, like, you know, that's not. I think the best you'd play. made the right choice. Running. I think I made good choices. You think so? Yes, because the teleporter gives you away and they rotate faster. You're right. Part of, You're right. Part of this is that they rotate slow in a way and they try to do a wraparound on each end, right? They're trying to come right. from two different angles. Yeah. And one of those angles is actually slower to get to. So the other one, they didn't communicate, You're right. right? That Reyna comes yeah. up before the the other person's on site. They should site. have pushed at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. But that yeah. that happens because they're like, oh, they didn't start moving until the bomb was down. And at that point, right. there's this pressure of, there's a timer. We got to get over there. We have to get yeah, over exactly. there. Right? Exactly. And that's where they make those mistakes. So I think that was totally. actually a good choice. Okay. I appreciate it. And, and so I think like <laughs> me being able to tell that story is why I like this game. It's like, it's yeah. the tale's old as time at this point. I like to be able to narrativize what I, what I play in competitive games and the way that the abilities interlock here. It was very funny for me to like get stuck playing this character who I don't play at all, mm. uh, but it's the character that was in the new trailer. And then I like used all of my abilities in this ace uh, yeah. in different ways. And I was yeah. like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That trailer is nothing like this game, but also it's everything like this game. Like, absolutely threw the wall up in order to give me protection. Absolutely use the Molotov to try to keep a space under control. Like, all that stuff is is very – it's very fun to, to, to be able to use that stuff and be able to tell a story about it. Um, and, and I think this is also part of why I like watching this game more than I like watching Overwatch or uh, a number of other kind of first – Call of Duty certainly is – there is a there is a, a a sequence of events. There is legibility for me, and mm-hmm. that legibility is definitely something I had to learn from playing the game. But it also does come from the outsized, you know, uh, abilities. It comes from really interesting map design. Um, uh, it comes from things like I, Kato. I don't know if you have it set this way, but I have the I have character outlines on. And I have them set to yellow, which I find way more legible. I was noticing than that. red. Yeah, I have a really hard time picking. I, and I'm I, as far as I know, I'm not colorblind. I've done tests and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I have a really hard time picking out the red outline that shows up around enemies versus this bright yellow one. Wait, there's um, an that, outline? Oh, Kato. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that glow is. Yeah. I don't think I've ever even noticed that there was really Seriously. a glow. I just like, kind of red know. by default. Or have no. I have caught, been caught out in some times where I'm like, oh, I thought that was my teammate, but that wasn't. Totally. Totally. Um, so you can just anyone can just you can just change the color to whatever. It's or no. Couple... I think it's. I think there's a few sets. I think there's two okay. different yellows and there's a purple. The two yellows look the same to me because I think that they're 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 tied to colorblind options basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Uh. But but I don't. Th- I would love to be able to have it where you could just set it to whatever. Right. I imagine there are certain colors that they would think give you an advantage or something. But I would love a bright blue. I would. You know what I mean. I would love something mm-hmm. that really stands out because I need all the help I can get. Frankly. Um, 
Uh, so yeah, I guess there is an outline on enemies. Yeah. It just never really, yeah. Th- this yellow don't... looks so much more like was it made it so much more obvious that they were yeah. and, like. What, is there also a slider on like the intensity of the outline, or is it just? I don't like, think the so. Colors? I think it's just pick the color. Wow. Pick the. I think pick, yeah. I think that yellow is just so much brighter mode. than the red. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it is. For, uh, that's that's how it feels to me too, for sure. Yeah. Um, um, uh, have you so been? Yeah. You've been playing a lot of the uh, other characters this time around because I have. Because people keep taking my characters. Um, I mostly play Brim. I've played again. I played a little bit of Phoenix. Um, but no, have you See, have you branched out? I made the mistake of uh, maining uh, one of the characters that is not unlocked at first. Who it? Oh, uh, Omen. right. Yeah, I I, right. I played a lot of Omen in the beta, and I just and unlocked you re-unlock him. Omen last night. Okay, but for okay. that first day and a half or whatever that I've been playing, it's a lot of like, okay, I can go back. My backup is Sage, but then Sage gets picked, and I'm like, I've not touched any of these other people so i've now had experiences with just about all of them at this point just like having Mm -hmm. to like pick whoever's left over because a lot of people don't have anyone unlocked as well and there's only there's only the five right like you start yep so like everyone has to pick one um and that's been an interesting i i'm kind of actually surprised at how much even though i had never done these actions being on the opposite end of them I understood kind of how 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 a lot of those abilities worked and um which I think um I'm not exactly sure what it says about this. I what I'm trying to say is that I think it it feels like really it, it felt really good to be able to do that even like even though I've never actually played any of those characters and like I yeah, still had totally. games which did is Did you like, have a did you find a character who you were like wow this character is actually sick I should play this character more? Um I think Phoenix. Yeah. Like I I I kind of shied away from initiators in general after having some bad experiences with Jet um, and not really understanding her kit very much. She's more of like the dashy and like clouds. They up uh, they upped her clouds, which is nice, actually. Yeah. yeah. Those last longer now they before they were longer. very short. It's so silly to be like, oh, wow, they, they made it go from five seconds to seven seconds. But that's a huge that's difference forever. when it comes forever. when like it takes sometimes you're in a situation where like we have to hold this for three more seconds. Right. You know? Right. Totally. Um, but yeah, I like, I had kind of, uh, defaulted more to the controlling characters, which are the ones that drop like, like Brim and, um, and Omen both have smokes that last very long and I brought like sight lines and Omen's a little more leaning towards like using those tricks to kind of, uh, get flanks and like be sneaky. And Brim's obviously more about like, you know, um, blocking off sight lines in order to like move on to points, um, but still, like that's kind of the play style I was sticking to. And then I had a couple games where um, I had to play Phoenix, and um, it was it was really interesting to um, play 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 like the and understand why enemies make certain decisions about how they use their abilities. Because um, I would like. One example is like I had the, the the Molotov, right? The like fire, the like fire pool that he puts down that um also heals him, which I don't think I ever realized. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And I like remember not I like, remember like not seeing it very often. I'm like I feel like people should be using 
Brim, uh, not Brim's, uh, Phoenix's thing to like hold points more. And it's like, oh, they're just holding it to heal themselves. To heal themselves. That's what yeah. they're using it for. That makes mm-hmm. much more sense now, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I don't think I realized. I knew the, I thought, I thought it was just the wall that healed them, but apparently it's, it's any of their fire. I think the, the wall actually heals a little bit worse, or maybe it's in, in line with right. that was one of the patch notes. Which is why you see the that- wall used more. For the actual sight line for the, blocking right, and stuff like right, that. Right, yeah. yeah, totally. Um, and also why sometimes you'll see someone throw up a wall and then not run past it quickly because they're right. standing behind it getting or standing in it getting healed for a second right. before they leave. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I think that it is so funny to me feeling like when I first started playing this game, Phoenix was a character that I couldn't play as because he felt selfish and I didn't understand how to contribute. Mm. And now of the duelist class characters, Phoenix feels like the most – the most like cooperative or the most he is the most going on that helps my team between a wall and the blinds like those are both big 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 you know uh, helpers like i love it when i'm with a phoenix now because it's like all right you can help me get around this corner also also it means and this is the stuff that i'm like only just getting to in my head now this is not like hard skill-based play or something but it means like for instance you don't need to put a sage with a phoenix Right, the sage's mm-hmm. heals can go elsewhere. Right. The sage doesn't need to heal a phoenix or or now a reina. Those ca- those are characters who can heal themselves if if you know they play uh, well. Um, and so that's like such an interesting different consideration in terms of tactical composition and where you're putting people on the map and all that other stuff. So, um, yeah. Rob, sorry for boring you with with <laughs> all of this like. It turns out Kato and I have really been playing this game. Yeah. We th- uh-huh. I think we thought we were playing this game. We were playing this yeah. game, like, um, and uh, I think it's I think it's pretty good. I'm cu- very curious to see how the the rollout of other stuff goes. You know, um, a map and a character is a big thing for to, to just like pop on people at, at launch. Competitive, I think, is probably going to be a few weeks away. Is my is my guess? Right. They've said they basically said like we're waiting. We're waiting until it's the right time for it. Don't. You know, we're not going to rush it out um, uh, just because it was in beta. Um, so I think that'll be big. Um, and then, and then I don't know. I don't know if uh, what the how many characters to expect in the first year of play. I don't know how often to expect there to be you know uh, new maps or or if it's just going to be like, all right, we're going to keep honing this thing, uh, right. You know, pretty well. So that's Valorant. That's Valorant, baby. That's it. That's Eco, baby. <laughs> that's um, okay. uh it's eco when you do something when you do anything that saves you money in a game of valorant even if you've absolutely lost the round and and played poorly what you get to do is say that's eco baby Uh, as long as you do one thing, that we'll fix money. it in post. Well, it, it, it absolutely <laughs> is because it's like next round's gonna be easier. Listen, that's eco. You sure you uh, we we lost four of our of our of our five people and then the round, but you got away with a gun. That's eco, that's baby. Eco, baby. <laughs> um. Uh. So what else is going on, Kato? Uh, I know you're playing some yeah. other stuff. Um, yeah, I. So there was a gap actually in Valorant, right, from there last was. Thursday through uh, Tuesday, um, and that's also part of when a lot of these protests and everything started mm-hmm. popping off. And so I spent a lot of time on the internet, just kind of sharing things, following the news, and. Uh, I needed at a certain point to just not look at the internet for a little bit. And there was this, I was just like looking for anything kind of simple and easy to digest. And there was this code that I had gotten uh, for Nintendo's uh, clubhouse 
Games? Wait, what's the actual title? Clubhouse. It's Clubhouse Games. Yeah, it's like Clubhouse Games, something. uh, Clubhouse Games. 51 51 Worldwide Classics. Um, That's 51. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of games. Um, And it turned out to be pretty freaking great. I got really obsessed with Mahjong um, for a while. But the way this game uh, is set up essentially is that they have a bunch of like what you think of as like traditional board games. There's like Mancala, there's chess, you got checkers, you've got your shoji, you got your mahjong, you got solitaire, you got, I'm not going to read out the whole Hair 51 list. Nine men's more. Well, here's that. That was the thing. I was like, and then there's like some that the I have classics. never fucking heard of. Yeah, absolutely. Hair and how, like, um, also there's some like, uh, non-litigious sounds non-litigious Ooh, um like options like hit and blow which <laughs> oh that's mastermind <laughs> that's mastermind i'm looking at hit and blow that's mastermind also what a name <laughs> what a name <laughs> um or like uh what is it called last card which is just uno oh that's uno <laughs> four in a row that's connect card. four i know i know connect yeah. four when i see it yeah um damn they got connect really... four on switch now damn yeah it's great um, they've got two ver- they've got Connect Five too. Uh mm. Gomoku, which is Connect Five on a on a Go board. I, w- I wish they had real Go, but I kind of understand why it probably Wait, do they not have Go? Uh, no, and I think Go. it has to do with the AI. Um because Oh sure. Uh the st- kind of structure here of if you're just kind of playing through is like you can just play against AI. Well, first thing I did actually was I wanted to test out the touch uh the like single the the single switch multiplayer touch uh games mm-hmm. which basically any kind of board game that you can imagine a board being there and you playing with another person you can do that here so like i could you can play like mancala or checkers just by laying the switch down on a table and you use the touch screen that never gets used uh to move the pieces around and that all worked that all worked great like me and uh, my wife christina sat down we played a bunch of games had a good time not paying attention to the news for a little bit (laughs) you know uh that was really nice the second thing is then i started just kind of poke around solo and there's kind of um every time you go into a game for the first time there's they do this this funny little skit where they have like this rotating cast of like characters um a couple of people that recur of like this one guy, this one woman, and a, a pair of kids also that all kind of like poke fun at each other. They're actually really kind of uh, cute, funny skits that like halfway kind of explain the sense of the game. And then there's also a tutorial where you can go through and like learn all of these games. And some of them are pretty simple, like Mancala or Checkers, like things that you've like already heard of before, but things that are like super complicated, like fucking Mahjong in here have like multi-step tutorials and it's actually like really like so far all the tutorials for games that are a little more complicated have been really well thought out like it really helped me get into understanding um not just the basics of the game but how like you can play beyond knowing the rules right like once you start thinking about or like they they like put you on the road to start thinking about strategy beyond the baseline uh in in and um in games like yeah like the the one that i got really into is is mahjong and what's interesting is that they also have different ai levels so like there's there's these uh, objectives for each game where it's basically just like beat 
the AI of each level, and there's like four levels for every single game. Like it starts on normal, hard, and then like you. Um, actually, I don't think I have the other ones unlocked. Let me double check what they're called. It's like normal, hard, impossible. Um, normal, hard, amazing, and impossible. Um, and you unlock them only once you've beaten the AI once of the previous okay. level. And even on normal for some of these games, like it's not, they're not making necessarily like completely ridiculous, like bad moves. It's like, it feels incredibly like playing a game with another person where someone like misses something, you know, but like right. even on normal, it's not, it's not a cakewalk. Which right. is a very interesting kind of baseline to put on, like what seems like seemingly simple games, you know, um, mm-hmm. and like the the challenge ramps up pretty quickly. I haven't beaten hard mahjong yet, and there's still two more levels above that. So I'm like, uh, I like, um, and so, and like that's the thing about a lot of these games, and and a lot of the reason that these games have kind of you know stood the test of time is that they're kind of infinitely re- replayable. Some of them are. Uh, and this is interesting too. They they like kind of shout out when some of them are solved games, meaning that there's a theoretical perfect game to play that everyone kind of <sighs> knows about. Like Nine Men's right. Morris explains in its tutorial that it is a solved game, so you could look up and do the perfect play. Here is the that. thing to do, right? <laughs> yeah. um, which is funny, but uh, if you don't know that, it's still kind of a, a hard game. Yeah. Otherwise. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've just been I've been really enjoying the way that the tutorialize and the tools that they've added for like example for shogi, um, which is if you've ever played chess, it's very similar except that the there's uh, more pieces and uh, you can kind of level up pieces essentially once you reach a certain level of the board. Um, they have like a threat map, basically to show Ooh. where your pieces would be in 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 um in danger of being captured like as like an assist right like it's it makes the board colored in uh blue and red and like there'll be like spaces where you can see that either you you can the there's like a third like kind of darker color that shows a place where you could put a piece and when that gets captured you could capture the piece that goes there even right like it's like you can put a piece here to get sacrificed and you'll have a response right wow that's Uh, a lot which is like the stuff that if you've played a lot of shogi you probably just you know how to look for that stuff right. but if you've never looked for it before i like i feel like i turned it off for a little bit i was like i can this is too much there's too many right. new pieces that i'm still learning so the threadboard was like i can still play this even though like i'm still not quite understanding because there's so many different the move sets are different in a way where like oh yeah that's that's all that's a knight basically that's a rook basically and then there's ones that are like you can move forward diagonally forward to the left diagonally forward to the right and then straight backwards, but not left or right. I'm like, whoa, okay. Like, that's very specific. <laughs> and then there's one that adds left or right to that. And I'm like, shit, how do I remember which one of these is the other oh, one? Oh, wow. And, yeah, I just found a screenshot of it. And, like, yeah. that is that is a lot of information added to yeah. there's multiple different shades. Like you said, different geometrical. Like, yeah, wow. It's okay. it's really, really cool. And, like, they do this for a bunch of those types of games, too. Or, like, there's assist modes that seem really well thought out and, like, really help you kind of you know, ease, ease into games that are uh, maybe uh, more complicated on their face than they made appear at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I've been having a lot of fun just kind of losing time to really getting into Mahjong a lot. Richie Mahjong, which I think Had you played Mahjong before or is this, no, is this not the at first all. time? I was just curious because I like, 
you know, you see it in uh, media a lot as this game that is played all the time. Um, and I never tried it or even looked up because like you need a certain amount. Like the, it's one of those, like there's a high barrier to entry in real life to have a like entire Mahjong set. I feel like, like it's like mm-hmm. big amount of space. Cause there's so many uh, tiles. I was like, all right, I've never had an opportunity to actually try this game out. Let's, let's see what it's like. Um, it's really fun. I mean, they're, um, it can, you can kind of equate the, the tiles to like cards and it's kind of like, uh, supposedly it's similar to Gin Rummy. I've never okay. played Gin Rummy either. Yeah, you're making sets, right? You're making, you're making yeah, yeah, you're, you're making, making sets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but there's also a lot of very, very specific hands that you can make that are not normal sets of like, it's either sets, right. of, it's sets of three, usually either uh, a straight, basically, like, you know, uh, a numerical order or uh, a triplet, right? But right. there are some special, there are a bunch of special uh, um, hands that are worth more that totally break that 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 rule set, right? It's like right. a set of seven pairs, for example, is really good and also very difficult to get. Because um, that's across different, those are like, oh, there are, pairs and on these it's not just the pairs tiles. have to be there's there's the the, the tiles are break broke up broken up into four essentially four suits three okay. numbered suits and one suit that is like um called the honors which are like uh the winds so like north wind west wind right south right. wind east wind and um different dragons a white dragon a green dragon a red dragon um for the numbered suits, essentially, you have to the the pairs you have to make have to be within the suit, right? So you can't just get three ones of one of each suit and that 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 ha, that be a triplet. Um, but there is a, a specific hand where you get all all ones and nines, and they can be either in pairs or triplets, and that still works. And it's just like sure, <laughs> like yeah, it's a lot because they have like they have like special names that like make sense and right, like, right. Um, so and that show it shows you what those are on here's the, the thing as so you're building them when you yeah when what what it does is like there's a list that you can just look through all of the special ones um and it also gives you a recommended it like takes a quick look and it's like you know you're three away from this these are the ones that you could make with like the right draws right mm-hmm. um which has been really helpful in kind of learning but what it doesn't do is give you the odds on that ever like so it's very oh, much still this thing where you're yeah, yeah, what you're yeah. learning through knowing through having the resource of having the the hands there what you're learning is mm-hmm. kind of like what are the odds like let me look at what's been uh when you discard a tile like it's open like everyone knows what you've thrown yeah, out yeah so you kind of have to do the odds in your head of like i know there's this many of those tiles left is so-and-so holding on to one. Like that's where you're starting to learn the strategy. But like, if I didn't have that like hands reference, I would be more worried about learning that hands thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like the way they assist, I think is very, is very smartly chosen uh, about uh, helping people get into playing the game at a more advanced level than like, if I were just learning this Mahjong game, it would be mostly about remembering those, those hands. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that makes sense. Um, I have a really important question about this collection. Yeah, how is the bowling? I haven't tried it. 
<laughs> I Damn. look. It's, yeah, I'm sorry. I haven't tried any of the like sports ones yet because there's so much interesting shit in here that I've never heard of. What the fuck was Nine Man Morris? <laughs> like, well, what was it? Um, it's an ancient Roman game where there's basically three squares that are kind of connected by lines, and then. Uh, what's the word for this when you have a shape within another, within another shape and it kind of like expands concentric? outwards? Yes. Three concentric squares. Um, and so each corner and, of those squares is a place where oh, you can I put a this. marble. Okay. Yeah. And then also on the midpoints between the top, bottom, left, and right corners, there's another like little path drawn between each of the squares. Uh-huh. And so you place marbles and the point is to place three in a row, and that lets you take away one of your enemy's marbles. Uh, but then once they're placed, you can only move them where there's a line connecting. Right, you um, can't move them, across, you can't jump them from point D to point A. Right. <laughs> You'd have to go from, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so part of it is getting try, getting a setup where you've blocked out your enemy, but you can like kind of move one piece back and forth into a row of three for each time that you get it back into a row of three is a, a new time you can take a marble away. Um, but that's harder to set up than you think because at first you can just place the marbles anywhere until you've got all your marbles on the board. Mm-hmm. You're, you're just kind of placing them wherever. Right. Um, and, and, then and then once they're all set, out. you have to figure yeah. out how to kind of move them around the board. It's really, it's really fun. And also once you're down to your last three, uh, if, if you're down to your last three, you can move them wherever you want, which is very interesting. Kind of like last last ditch effort. Here, yeah, here's yeah. a way you can get back. And I've won games from That's from cool. there too, which is fun. Um, but yeah, it's just like I don't know. There's so many like, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff on fifty one. Oh, what's fifty one? And uh, also, if you if that feels like it's overwhelming, they have this this fun little system where there's a globe. That has little figurines on them that have different kind of like categories of games. So I'm looking at one now that's like social games, which are like card games mostly. And here's one that's like the Ninten- Nintendo's history. It's like games that Nintendo, before they were a video game company, used to put out. So they've got Hanafuda uh, in there. They've got okay. Shogi. They've got uh, Ricci. Um, then there's like one that's all the card games. And here's one that's like traveling around the world different and it's like a group of five different games from different places around the world mm-hmm. you know there's just like a lot of easy like if you're not even sure what to choose you can just pick one of these people and then there's also um now that the game is online uh you when you when you start you actually make a little avatar and you pick your favorite food and your heart's desire um okay <laughs> and uh, you can then see there's a list then 20 other people around the world that also have my same heart's desire and when you <laughs> click on one of these avatars it has uh, it says their favorite food their heart's desire uh, their latest best record in a game and then recommended games so, and then you swipe left or right or is that <laughs> yeah. where it ends? No, that's 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 it. Yeah, Basically, sometimes you're chilling out, listening to your friend describe a thing that sounds pretty cool, and then you're like, "Wait, is this what? a cursed object?" Is this, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. It, tell this game. Tell this game your name. No, no your true name. Your, yes. your heart's desire. 
Um, but yeah, you can just like it's just like a like if you want to you want to pick a random game and not sure how here here's other people that also like pizza. Uh, this is what they play. Bro, <laughs> you know? everyone Sorry, likes wait. pizza. Heart's Desire. There's a yeah, lot of Heart's there's Desire a lot of yeah, tacos. I, Are I the turtle like the community is just the turtles? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Um, I picked up uh, video games as my heart's desire because obviously. Why are you playing this board game collection? What are you <laughs> it's doing? It's a video game. That's a video uh, game. Okay. Board games are video games. Board games are video games. Games are games. Um, games are, that's what the science says. Yeah. That's math. Um, cool. No, I, yeah, I, 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 this seems like a very good thing to have right now. Like, this definitely <laughs> feels like a good collection of cool games. So, yeah. Um, I'm gonna I, try. I'm gonna try to set up a small thing with some family members of like streaming to oh, them nice. through something to do yeah. like a local game night. <laughs> yeah, like, like you can do same game, same um, like one one system game for like turn based stuff really easily. So I could just like, okay, where do you want to? Oh, where do you want to go? Move. Right, yeah. right, right. Um, and without them having to have a switch, so that's another reason i was interested in it i haven't actually tried that yet but i think it'll work out pretty well these are the you know it's all it's something that i feel like seems um what's what's sort of looking it it's a thing that you you like kind of take for granted but they're the the ai the ui the ui in this game and like the inputs are all very simple and very easy to read which um can sometimes be a fault of games where you're not when it's not considered like you notice it more when it's bad than when it's good but this one has really good like, does this have does this so it doesn't have in-game voice chat presumably no uh, does, it, online, does it connect to the app does it do though did they do the app voice chat i'm not sure i think you can but like hmm. nintendo online has always been crap so i have no clue if there's any um i haven't even thought of that like i've basically at this point forget that it's even an option in most games and use discord but um i mostly was thinking like i mean that is also what i would do right but like right. I, if my switch was i mean my switch is the thing about my switch is nice is you can just bring it wherever but right. it is easy to to think of like oh i want to like kick back and play uno with my friends do i also want to have a computer near me so i can be on discord i guess i have my phone i could call them right. and do a call on my phone i guess but you know. Oh, the other nice thing for local play is that if you're with someone who does have a Switch and you want to play a two-Switch game, they can do the old, um, uh, like they used to do with certain games on the Game Boy Advance, mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. where you can like download part of it and like it'll it'll play without you having to purchase the game, which is really nice. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right. Um, does anyone have anything else they want to they want to dig into or shout out? Rob, I know that you you put some time into a, a, an older game, but I'm curious if you have any quick thoughts on on the the other one you wanted to bring to the table. Oh, um, yeah. So I started playing the second season of the Telltale Batman series, uh, which is on Game Pass right now. I want to say, and I'd played the first season and enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it did some interesting things as a spin on the familiar Batman origin story, and this continues like the arc of this being a really interesting take on the character and the world. Um, it feels, it continues to feel like the telltale series was a really good, like limited run 
set of issues for Batman, like in an <laughs> alternate universe, nice. uh, where like a lot of the things that are just kind of taken for granted are uh, much more up for debate. Chief of which is were the Waynes good people, right? Mm-hmm. Like it does is the entire uh, is this entire crusade on crime the based on the faulty recollections of a traumatized child uh, and a misunderstanding of his past. And that's kind of what uh, the Telltale series uses as its point of departure. And then this new and the second season kind of continues that as being very much a game that really. Okay. A lot of Batman renditions do this thing. I think the, the Nolan one was the most pointed about this, which is that, uh, you know, Bruce Wayne is the mask, right? He's really Batman. Like, which is the, which is the true persona. What I like about the telltale series is basically its entire structure is that, well, this guy really is genuinely trying to be both right. There are things like he is trying to balance these two sides of himself and trying to use both to the same ends, right? He is trying to make Bruce Wayne a tool he can use selectively to advance his ends. He can also pivot to the Batman persona and use that to achieve what he wants, uh, you know, in his battles with a growing roster of supervillains are showing up in the second season. What I like about the second uh, season is that it really does start pulling at the tension between the two. Mm. And it does the thing that I think telltale games were at their best, which was making you feel like not necessarily you had, you were making the wrong choices, but that they were going to be, definitive choices, right? That there were, there were things that you couldn't really successfully navigate a middle path. And even though you might want to push in a different direction, uh, circumstances were just going to force you to do something you really didn't want to do. And I think the second season does this even more effectively as it kind of recasts, uh, the arrival of the Joker, not as like the dawn of this, crazed supervillain who's inspired by Batman to sort of become his nemesis, but as genuinely somebody who is thinks he's friends with Bruce Wayne, uh, somebody who really does is trying to work through his various issues and has fallen in with a group of uh, supervillains. And I think it's, it's kind of funny seeing a Batman's uh, a, a Batman game that unfolds a bit like a a bit like a tragedy uh, in a way that I really like. Hmm. I'm mad at myself for having never gotten to those because they seemed extremely like the version of Batman that I connect to really well. So ah, one day, yeah, they've got they've got good animated series vibes mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, cool. Um, I guess a really quick thing for me, shout out, is I have started playing some Xenoblade Chronicles. I'd previously only played Chronicles mm-hmm. X and Chronicles 2. Um, uh, I really like Chronicles X and then and, and 2. Once I got over some of the, the, let's say, questionable character design, I think like the bones <laughs> of that game were really, really good. Um, it also has some really good character design mixed in. Uh, and so this is the first time I'm going back to playing the original Chronicles, which those are three games in a series that are like 
uh, we would need a lore reasons to unpack the Xeno series that that includes Xeno Gears and uh, Xeno Saga, uh, but Xeno Blade now uh, they're like connected, but not exactly one to one is my understanding, or not exactly like it's not like a linear series that takes. It's very weird. Anyway, what what is what does make it a series is lots of similar. Uh, mechanical things and it's interesting to go back to xenoblade chronicles the, the whatever definitive edition re- redefine whatever it's called um <laughs> uh because of having spent so much time in these later games which definitely i think added some layers to make the moment to moment stuff a little bit more exciting um in terms of gameplay i think you know i think if you've listened to this podcast you've heard or if you've listened to past podcasts that like Patrick has been on. He's talking about MM, the game having MMO style combat, um, mm-hmm. but that doesn't really. There's a lot of types of MMO style combat. Uh, <laughs> I swear I'm not dragging Patrick here. I get what he means um, because it is a game in which you have an auto attack and then abilities on cooldown. Um, but but there are ways in which those there's a ways in which there are different sort of you can almost think about sliders of complexity in different places, right? And so for something like Final Fantasy XIV. There, the complexity on building your character is nil, right? Like you're trying to build the best version of your character. That character will look like every other character in terms of abilities and equipment at the top level. There's no like, I'm going down this skill tree or I want to specialize here. You know, there's some stuff with materia that you can equip for bonuses, but like basically everyone knows what the best basic build is. And the expertise comes in executing on it, doing your combos, hitting your rotation, etc. Um, other MMOs focus on you know, maybe less intense, you know, uh, moment-to-moment combat, but do give you a lot of room to define your character and pick a build. Um, and this definitely feels more like that in the sense of, like, I'm trying to I'm trying to make sure that, like, I have the right tools for the job. I've, I've spent time, you know, leveling up the character down certain skill trees. Okay, I'm making this person my tank. I'm making this person my damage dealer. Do I want to emphasize this person's physical damage or magic damage? And that that gives me a lot of joy, even if the moment to moment combat is just not that interesting. Um, I also think that this that Monolith does such a great job of creating big open environments that feel through the scale. Really, there's a real good sensation of scale. Um, mm-hmm. Unlike Xenoblade Chronicles X, there will never be a point in this game that I get to be in a big robot. No, I get to fly a mech around. Unfortunately, damn. Um, but the you know the, the basic premise of this game's world is still like incredible. The the world as it is is the body of two gods stuck you know frozen in combat from many eons before <laughs> and so you're like, you're like yeah i'm on this, i'm on this god's thigh right now and it's just like a big vast plane right wow. like oh, i'm in the shoulder blades like there's mountains up here or whatever i, I haven't gotten to the shoulder blades yet but you get what i'm saying um and that's like a and that means like wherever you are you can like kind of look around like oh yeah there's the other god with a big sword stabbed into this god that i'm standing on right now cool um and that is just like there's so many beautiful vistas. There's so many really, really striking places, um, and that that is hard to hard to uh, you know complain about. It's nice to be in a very pretty virtual place right now, even if I think so far the game's like story and characters haven't really connected with me. But I'm very early mm-hmm. on still. I'm still in the first chapter, um, and so hopefully I'll play some more over the weekend and and report back on Monday. This is for the, um, the the Switch, right? This is the, the Switch, yeah. It's a Nintendo Nintendo published game. It's Monolith right. Soft, who I recently found out, believe it or not, did some work on Breath of the Wild, huh. which makes perfect sense. Um, uh, I think specifically it was some like of the overworld, like 
map design stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's what they do super well. Like they're so good at evoking places. They're so good at communicating distance and scale. And Breath of the Wild does that so well. I'm like, okay, yeah, now I could totally see how they could have helped with that. Um, Cool. All right. Uh, I think that should probably do it for us today. Uh, maybe on Monday we'll get to the question bucket. For now, if you, I mean, if you have questions, you can send them to gamingadvice.com with the subject question. Um, uh, but but for now, let's wrap up. Thank you, as always, to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at uh, waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. You can follow everything Waypoint does, twitter.com slash waypoint, waypointadvice.com. Uh, as always, shout-outs to our, our incredible um, uh, compatriots at Vice and at Motherboard. Uh, some really great stories have gone up over the last couple of weeks um, about, about what's going on right now, about what to do if you're looking to, to do something right now, how you can support you know, the communities uh, and, and, uh, and protests and how to do it safely. Um, so definitely check out Vice. Um, where can people find you, Kato? Uh, a underscore Kato underscore appears. How about you, Rob? At Rob Zachney. Um, all right. We will be back on Monday with more. Until then, fuck capitalism. Go home. Peace. Actually, maybe not go home right now. Right now, go <laughs> go help. Go support people. Like, go stand shoulder to shoulder if you can do it. Uh, now is the fucking time. So, uh, okay. Until Monday. Peace. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Okay. Podcast. Mm-hmm. That was me turning the air conditioner. Back <laughs> like, yeah, I definitely things? left myself on mute a little bit longer than I needed to to try to bring the temperature back down. It's warm. I gotta go open a window. It's distressing how quickly the cold just is lost <laughs> when you just stop gone. running the air. Yeah, it's just it like sucks. oh no, and now somehow the heat is worse than ever. And now like, it's yeah. just like uh-huh. swampy and miserable. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm sure there's a reason for that, but I don't know it. Science. I'm sure. All right. I'm glad right. you have care, an y'all. Awesome. Have a good Bye, weekend, y'all. Bye-bye. Bye, y'all. How's Mina? Oh, she's uh, she's incredible. Let me send you a picture <laughs> I took this morning. Um. That was just too much uh, to be born. Um, the wrong photo. I was trying to get a bunch of photos uh, from <laughs> when she just like face planted in the pillows. Oh, oh my here God. we go. Uh, I think that should be it. Oh, <laughs> it's very cute.
So uh, and then a little while later, right before I took her to daycare, uh, <laughs> how can you sleep like that? <laughs> She's like in that crevice between those two pillows. That's wonderful. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> that is her favorite spot. Um, wow! Like she was being so sleepy and quiet. I was like, I bet. Like if she was like this, I could podcast with her. But right. of course, dog sleeping now <laughs> means dog will extremely not sleep in twenty minutes. Yeah. Dog wake up with full energy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, took her to school. Boy, people sure are done with fucking masks. Um, Jesus Christ, really? If you like, <laughs> there are a lot of people who think that having the mask looped around your ears but dangling below your mouth is like wearing a mask. What the and fuck? <laughs> Dude, uh, like that was fully half the people with masks I saw were wearing them, wearing them that way. Uh, and then tons of people just not wearing them anymore. Jesus Christ. I can't. Uh, so, There's still a fucking. Mm, are people being pandemic. more compliant in New York? Because like we didn't get hit as hard here in Lowell. So maybe people just don't take it as seriously. My only frame of reference for the past like couple of weeks was the one time I went out yes last night to a protest. And everyone was wearing a fucking mask in the middle of a fucking yeah. protest. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, I'm sure that if I were to actually walk around and see people, there would there would just be people. Like, I did see, like, one or two the other day when I took a short walk that had their masks, like, around their uh, chins. But they were, like, eating and, like, yeah. distanced from everyone. So I could see that. Like, you, like, take a, take a bite, put it back on when you're actually walking through people. That yeah. That seems fine to me. But the like just walking around with it like around your neck anyways, like not doing anything with your mouth and like being next to people is fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's tough to tell like are people just dumbasses or is this like an expression of contrarianism, you know, uh, like do these they... people want to get yelled at and like get in a fight with a liberal? I have no idea. Yeah. There's also like definitely a lot of misinformation of just like how close is safe and like when do you when yeah. do you need it just like um, it's hard to tell whether or not yeah they're they're like yeah. got bad information and they're like oh i'll pull it up when i go inside somewhere well but outside it's no fine joggers because, oh yeah and fucking. every jogger in my town <laughs> thinks they shouldn't have to wear one like when we go walking on the trail like they all just, just go by huffing and puffing which is the most spreadable you know what i mean yeah. like it literally yep. is like the more you are respirating the more you're putting out uh and yeah you'll be on the trail and like jogger after jogger will be like blowing past you uh just wheezing in your face yeah yeah i've seen a few uh joggers but not many um they've been mostly wearing masks here at least in my neighborhood, all the bike, all the all the cyclers, all the cyclists though are wearing masks. I haven't seen a cyclist without a mask. Yeah, I've noticed that too. <laughs> yeah, cyclists, uh, way better citizens than joggers. <laughs> Turns out. Oh <laughs> uh, fuck. Though I will say, I guess you know, now that I think about that, most of the joggers I see are white folks, and a lot of people I still see out biking are uh, like black and Latino. Right. Right, because it's just so like that, the that way to, is, an easy way to get around. Yep. Everything. Yep. Whereas the recreational out. bikers, like I don't see a lot of dudes rolling around in their, um, you know, three thousand uh, dollar, you know, <laughs> the people, with the, people with the kits, you know, aren't yeah. out anymore. Maybe. Yeah, they uh, 
they flood the cities or something. <laughs> and uh, also, just very funny moment outside the dog care place. Um, the sun was falling in this weird way, so I got like a really good reflection of the other side of the street. Uh, lol cops strolling up the street. Uh, black guy coming the other direction. Lol cop makes a point of being like, oh, hey, good morning. How are you? Beautiful day, isn't it? Uh, and just very like awkwardly best behavior, uh-huh. um, which is better than the alternative, right? Sure. Like it, like it's <laughs> it went fully over into the overcorrecting white person, right? Uh, thing and guy, you know, guy was friendly enough, but it was very funny because the thing I would say about cops around here is, um, generally they they just don't interact with you at all, right? Um, Though this guy is older, like, so, you know, he might be of that generation of cops that was not taught where it's all, like, dominate every interaction. (laughs) You could be be stabbed at any moment. Like, this guy was, uh, you know, more of a, you know, more of a central casting beat cop uh, (laughs) as opposed to the, you know, young jackboots that comprise a lot of younger officers. Well... At least one good interaction has happened in the world. Ish. 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 <laughs> yeah, one good ish. <laughs> no racism here, says friendly low police officer, <laughs> two first black man he sees. <sighs> I will say the city manager's office, we've had a bunch of protests here. Um, I guess demonstrations is probably the more apt term for it because uh, they haven't been met with force. And the city manager put out a statement uh, basically endorsing everything the demonstrators want. I haven't looked too much into it. My suspicion is um, if you go back about 10 years, it looks like there were a lot of use of force complaints against the LOL PD. And they've really dropped off. Um, So I do wonder if there's kind of a. Yeah, I, I do wonder if this is kind of one of the areas this town kind of cleaned up its act. Yeah, did you see that? Who was it? I'm trying to remember which police department was like, look, we're taking some money out of their budget. And it's something like 5% of their budget. Yeah. But their budget is so big that the number seems big. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> the fact that NYPD costs $6 billion a year was news to me. Um, it's a big like, city. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of money. And that's too much money. Yeah. Uh, it fucking sucks. Hello. Hey, how's it going? It's going. Can you hear that? Yeah. Yes, I hear a slight Also, you're hiss. very yes. loud. Can you, can you hear that? Yes. I need to record. Yes. One second. I need to let me start this recording. Can I hear that? One second. Let me get my backup going. Wait. Just, wait, is that what is, I think it is? Is that what, is that what you think <laughs> is it is, Pablo? Did, did you do it? Did you fucking do it? Is that oh the AC? God. That is the air conditioning unit <laughs> in my apartment. In my bedroom. Amazing. Amazing. It's too damn hot. It's, it's too yeah. damn hot. Yeah. I'm going to turn absolutely. it off while we I'm do proud this. of you getting out of it. It's not even that hot yet, but you, you did not I have wait to. for I, the I cannot wait for it. Yeah. We got a, yeah. we got a, we got a, one day a, a few days ago that was too bad. I was like, no, no, mm-hmm. not again. Mm-hmm. Not again. Um, uh, <laughs> and well, here's the other thing is I, I, my fan broke, right? Uh, and so, no. and then my backup fan broke. 
uh, like it wouldn't, the, the main fan broke, broke. It like wasn't going to work again. So I got like a little fan. They're like, oh, this will, this will carry me through until I get my air conditioner in. And then that, that was like a little black one. It was like an off-brand. So, you know, I love the Vornado. This was like an off-brand Vornado. <laughs> um, and God. it stopped being able to tilt. Like it could either be directly up at the ceiling or that was kind of it. It could only be directly up at the ceiling. So I had to put it on its side if I wanted it to go like at an angle through the room. I was like, no, I'm done this, with this. This is this I, happening. The universe was I like, to guess look what? Up. <laughs> We're going to break I everything. Thought, I thought you said Vornate like, like it was a Vornado. I didn't realize that type of fan has that name, Vornado. Yeah, I thought you were brand. like Vor. Like, right. oh shit, it's a Vornado. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was no. like, that sounds gross <laughs> as hell. Like, why? I, like. <laughs> Why do you like that? Why is that helpful? Don't judge. Listen, some people are out here with needs. For personal cooling, though? For I don't know. Personal, <laughs> my personal cooling needs. Uh, no, I have like a, I, the, the, it's like that little black fan that like, you see it now. If you've done yeah, a search no, for no, got it up on the shop. Like, oh, results. yeah, that thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bigger than a desk effective. fan, tinier than a box fan. That's exactly right. Uh, and it's very good at circulating air through a room. Um, it's, it's why I haven't needed. That's the key. Uh, that's it. Gotta, that's the key. Air got to keep moving. Like, air got to keep that's moving. The thing. That's air what. Moving. That's the thing. Air moving. Um, one second. Okay. All right. Uh, those are good. Mina pictures, also, Rob. <laughs> yeah, the choice. She's great. Is she doing good? She's better. Uh, yeah, she's all better. Right back to just being uh, just unbelievable. <laughs> we time dot is. Yes. <laughs> this is this three? Was last week? Was Monday's waypoints? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you gonna do eighteen seconds? Yes. It was a little fast. I'm sorry. It was faster <laughs> than right. I normally we do. We got it. We hit it. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's true. <clears throat> 